So, you may not know this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Today is Audience Participation Sunday. I don't know if you noticed that or saw that on your calendar, but I'm just going to warn you that there's a few moments in the sermon where I'm going to ask you to participate with me, okay? And I'm just going to tell you the length of the sermon heavily depends on how long it takes you to answer. So I'm just going to prepare you. Just it's up to you, okay? It's up to you. But before we get into the audience participation part, I want to start today by talking about elephants. Elephants are amazing creatures. Did you know that an African elephant can weigh up to 14,000 pounds, but is able to carry 19,000 pounds? It's an amazing example of strength. That, that's the equivalent of 130 adults, depending on how much you weigh. I'm not going to do the math for you. And along with that, not with their ability to carry a bunch of heavy weight, their trunks are just amazing, just a, a beautiful example of God's creativity. An elephant's trunk has no cartilage or bone. The elephant's trunk is made up of over 150,000 muscle bundles. And an elephant using only its trunk can lift over 600 pounds. So these are just amazing creatures that God created. But here's what fascinates me most about these creatures. Sadly, but, but many times, we can find these mighty and strong creations of God. We can find elephants being held under control by small pieces of rope or small insignificant chains attached to their legs. And I think when you look at that, just a natural question that stirs up inside of us is, is how is that possible? How is it possible that such a strong animal can be held under control by something that obviously it could easily break away from? And the answer is a sad answer. The answer is conditioning. And the definition of conditioning is the process of training or accustoming a person or animal to behave in a certain way or to accept certain circumstances. Excuse me. So here's how this works with, with elephants. When an elephant is very young and obviously substantially weaker because of its age, they are tied to a post or they are, are chained to a post. Now, the baby elephant will naturally fight against being tied up. They'll fight against the, the bonds. They'll fight against the chains or the ropes. And what's going to begin to happen after multiple unsuccessful attempts of breaking away from their bondage, the rope or the chain is going to begin to cause pain. So we begin to rub and, and dig in to their skin. So each time they attempt to break away, They'll experience pain, but more importantly, they'll experience failure. They'll begin to realize, they'll begin to be conditioned to believe that they are not strong enough to break away from their bondage. And that any attempt to break away from their bondage will cause pain. Now that's important, but because that mindset carries on into an elephant's adulthood. 
Because of their conditioning at such a young age, adult elephants falsely believe that they are unable to break free from the chains and the ropes that bind them so they don't even attempt to try. Because of the conditioning, sadly, these elephants are slaves not to their circumstances, they're slaves to belief. They're not slaves to the chains because, they, because of their mighty strength. They could break away from the rope or the chains that, that hold them where they are. They're slaves to belief. What they have been conditioned to, be, to believe is true is what keeps them under control. Now, here's why I'm talking to you about elephants. I'm sure you're wondering that. The Israelites in Egypt were very much in a similar circumstance. I want you to think about this with me. I want you to, to tune in to your creativity. I want you to try to imagine some things with me this morning. 400 years of slavery. 400 years of slavery had conditioned the nation of Israel to believe some things about themselves and about their circumstances. Now, again, I really want you to try your best to imagine. This is kind of, this is the first audience participation part of, of the sermon. I want you to imagine 400 years of slavery. Your great-great-grandparents were slaves. Your grandparents were slaves. Your slaves, you've witnessed your children be slaves. That's all you've ever known. How would that condition you? If you were an Israelite slave, you'd been a slave, and all you'd ever known was 400 years of slavery, what would that condition you to believe about yourself, about your circumstances, and about your God? You're going to have to yell at me. You'll always be a slave. Yep. No hope. Yep. God abandoned you. God is far away. He's abandoned you. What else? I'm just saying. Just saying. This is a subtle warning there. What else? No love. I heard that. What? Stop praying because it's never going to change, right? Right, 400 years. What else? One more. What goes around comes around. Okay, what goes around, so it's just always going to just circle back around, okay? Let me give you a few of mine. The, your only value is what you can produce. Survival is your primary focus. Slavery will always be your only existence. You are owned. Thinking for yourself is dangerous and is met with punishment. If God exists, we talked about this one. If God exists, he is either far away or he has forgotten about you. You are abandoned and forgotten. We talked about that one. You are worthless and unintelligent. You must be managed. You cannot lead yourself. Now, I want you to, again, I want you to use your imagination with me. This is what the nation of Israel has been conditioned to believe about themselves for 400 years. These are the way they think about themselves and their circumstances and their God. 
And if this is not corrected, the entire nation of Israel, even though they've experienced a great exodus, they're not going to be free. They'll be slaves to belief. They're not slaves to their circumstances. They would be slaves to belief about themselves, about their circumstances, and about their God. It is absolutely crucial, church, that we understand and we acknowledge this conditioning that's going on with the nation of Israel. We have to understand how 400 years of of captivity would have impacted the nation of Israel. We have to understand that if we're going to be able to see the beauty and the grace of the Ten Commandments. We have to have that knowledge first before we can see the beauty and the grace of the Ten Commandments. Because honestly, many of us, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we think of the Ten Commandments like this. Right? We think about the Ten Commandments like God's top ten rules. Like he gets really mad when you break one of the top ten. We, 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 if we're not careful, we think about God as a cosmic buzzkill or an all-powerful party pooper, right? We think about God that, that really all he wants to do is keep us under his thumb. So he gave us these 10 commandments, these top 10 rules to, to better keep us under control. But honestly, that's not the reality. The reality is that for the Israelites, the 10 commandments, these 10 words were a gift. They were a gift given by a loving and compassionate God. They were a gift because the 10 commandments were a guide to a nation that had never known what it was like to be free. They were a nation that never knew what it was like to be valued or to have purpose. The the Ten Commandments were a gift that were to a group of people that had only known an existence of survival, of pain, and of violent control. The Ten Commandments were a gift given to a people who had never known freedom, who had never known how to rule themselves, how to make decisions, how to live. Now, You might have noticed that at the beginning of the sermon, we didn't have a scripture reader. That's because Darren forgot. No, I'm just, I just, I don't want to make him panic for a second. That wasn't Darren Stern. Don't sit, don't, yeah, don't, don't send him any angry emails. It wasn't his fault. It was on purpose. Because again, this is some, this is audience participation Sunday. Ten commandments are pretty important. I thought it would be interesting if as a group, if we can come up with the Ten Commandments. So, what are the Ten Commandments? No other God before me. I got that one. Let's see if I can, yeah? Okay, what else? No idols. You guys are doing these in order for me. I appreciate that. What else? Don't kill. Let's see. Don't murder. That's, one of, that's an important one. That one goes over here. What else? Don't use God's name in vain. What else? Honor your father and mother. 
I was really hoping a teenager would shout that one out. You guys missed your chance, man. You missed your chance. Keep the Sabbath. All right, we got, we got this tablet done. We got four more over here. Okay, all I heard was mumbling. Adultery. Okay, let me make sure I get that one in order. Okay. What else? Don't covet. You guys are doing great. Y'all didn't Google this, right? We're in church. Don't, don't be cheating. I got two more. Don't steal. Nope. Don't, don't lie. It's not on there. Bear false witness. Okay. I'll, I'll, Rick's going to give you guys grace on don't lie. I'll, I'll, I'll let it, since he's here, I'll let it slide. So we had a lot of shouting, a lot of audience participation. So I want to ask you, how'd you do? Okay. Pride. Okay, we'll deal with that next week, but it's all right. That was a trap. That was a trap. <laughs> so the, the Ten Commandments, here's what I love about them. This is kind of what, how we're going to approach them over the, over the ten weeks. Uh, the Ten Commandments were originally known as the Decalogue. And the Decalogue literally means the ten words. And it's interesting, scholars believe that, that originally they were delivered as ten words as a way to help the nation of Israel memorize them using their ten fingers. If they could memorize one word for each commandment, it would help them memorize them. And so I think an amazing and, and a, a, just a fantastic next step for us if you haven't already, is to memorize over the next 10 weeks, memorize the 10 commandments in order so that you have them accessible to you when the Holy Spirit needs to access them. Now, if you need to study up on them, uh, the 10 commandments are found in a couple places, but the one we're gonna be focusing on is found in Exodus chapter 20, verses one through 17. And I'm gonna read those for us this morning. It says, then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make Make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your sons or your daughters, your male or female slaves, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet, covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now again, look at that in the context. Let's just take one example. The God of heaven told a group of slaves who had only known work day after day after day after day 
after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. The God of heaven said, only work six days. Take one day for rest. Do you see how understanding how Israel had been conditioned helps us see the value and the beauty of the Ten Commandments? All they'd ever known was slavery and work every day. We have this God saying, it's okay to rest. It's okay to sleep in. It's okay to recover. It's okay. Now, if we're not careful when we're reading Scripture, we'll miss powerful statements that are hidden in plain sight. And there's a beautiful example of that here. At the very beginning of our text, this is what we read. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Did you notice that important first word? Did you notice it? I. I. See, God is speaking to Israel in this moment. God wants it to be abundantly clear to his people that he, that God is delivering these commandments. These weren't given in some secret place to some secret person, and then that secret person brought that secret knowledge out. God is delivering these commandments directly to his people. And that, that is made perfectly clear in Exodus 20, verses 18 through 21, because Israel gets so overwhelmed by God's power and his presence, they literally beg Moses to be their representative. I want to read that for you. He says, or it says in, in verses 18 through 21, when all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning and the sounding of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and they trembled and they stood at a distance. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. So Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So God was speaking directly to his people. And God knows that in order for the Israelites to see the Ten Commandments as a gift, he has to remind them of some important things. He has to point out some important things to them. First, he reminds him that he is their God. In other words, he wants to make it clear that, that he's in charge. And it's interesting that we still struggle with that today. Who's in charge? But God says, I am your God. He's reminding them that they didn't orchestrate some unexpected revolution that overthrew Egypt. They were rescued. They were rescued out of the hand of Egypt by God. God is the one who protected Moses when Pharaoh killed all the male babies. God is the one who called Moses from the burning bush. God is the one who provided the miracles. God is the one who brought down the plagues upon Egypt. God is the one who told the nation of Israel about Passover. Israel was not able to part the Red Sea and rescue themselves. God did that. Yahweh was Israel's rescuer. He was their savior. And he wanted that to be clear. God goes on to remind Israel what he rescued them from. Again, he wanted them to remember that they were slaves for 400 years. That they had been told for 400 years when to sleep, when to wake up, what to eat, what to drink, when to work, 
generation after generation after generation. So God had rescued them from torment to bless them. And I have to tell you, honestly, as, as I was preparing for the Ten Commandments, as I was studying for this series, I, I began to see the Ten Commandments in a new way, in this way that I'm trying to describe to you this morning. Because I, I for really all of my Christian life, had, had looked at the Ten Commandments the way a lot of us do. So that's God's top ten rules. These are the house rules. You, you don't break these rules and God won't be mad at you. But as I've studied them and as I've looked at them from the perspective of conditioning and the perspective of slavery to freedom, I really have fallen in love with the Ten Commandments. I really have began to see God's love and his compassion and really his wisdom in delivering these Ten Commandments. The the Ten Commandments, these ten words, aren't really rules God is showing his people the appropriate response to being in covenant with him. The appropriate way to be in relationship with him. They're supposed to provide and establish a way of life, not just these rules that you don't break. It's supposed to inspire a way of of living that God expects of his people. Again, the Ten Commandments are not a list of don'ts. They're actually a reminder. They're a reminder or you could say an invitation to return back to an existence that God always intended for his people. These 10 words are an invitation to a life that God intended for Adam and Eve before their rebellion. I mean, think about it. If Adam and Eve wouldn't have rebelled, there would have been no murder. There would have been no covetedness because of our intimate relationship with God and his ability to provide for us. There would have been an intimate relationship with a loving creator, so we would have no other gods. We would trust God, so we would have no other idols. See, the, 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 these ten words, the ten commandments are an invitation to experience a life and a relationship that God always intended for his people. God is inviting Israel to take the first steps back towards the relationship, the intimate relationship that he always intended for all of us. I love the way Professor Leo Cox describes the the Decalogue. He says, God gave these words not as a means of salvation for the people who had already been saved from Egypt, but but as rules for guidance. Since obedience was a condition of continuing the covenant, These words became the basis for perseverance as God's people. I love that. And see, because of Adam and Eve's rebellion, neither Israel nor any of us can get back to the existence and the relationship that God intends for us. We we can't get back there. Sin is an obstacle that obedience can't overcome. You can't be obedient enough to overcome the consequence of Adam and Eve's Rebellion. We need something else. And I thank God that, that we live in a time and a place where that way has been made for us. The life, crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us the means to begin taking the first steps back towards that relationship and that existence. 
putting our faith in Christ allows us to experience these beautiful things that God has for us. These in, this intimate relationship, this life that doesn't involve covetedness, that doesn't involve lying or blasphemy or, or idol worship, worthless worship. Christ has made a way for us to experience those things now so that we can experience them more fully in eternity. And so my hope is that this week you'll make a decision to accept God's gift and his invitation to pursue a life that proclaims the love and the grace of the Ten Commandments. So as we prepare this week for our, our first commandment that we're going to look at next week, I, I have two next steps for you. My first next step I've already shared with you. I would really encourage you and invite you this week to begin trying to memorize all Ten Commandments in order. And then I also want to invite you to invite someone to come and sit next to you in your pew for week one of the, of the Tenth Commandment. We're going in reverse order. And so I just want to invite you to invite somebody to be here with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. And I thank you that uh, you were just as gracious and loving and compassionate today as you were with Israel so many years ago. I pray that we would trust you and we would take full advantage of your gift and of your invitation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.